Hello and welcome back to Box Box Series Edition. We have a final, we have a final two. England will play Germany at Wembley on Sunday. I'm joined by Jesse Jesse and Amzul Abdullah. <laughs> I had to bring that back. <laughs> Jesse, you get your big day out at Wembley. How are you feeling? Wembley, Wembley, we're the mighty England FCM again. Um, yeah, no, it's sick. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, I've literally like fantasized about. Okay, I fantasized about England winning the whole thing, but I've also fantasized about England just being in the final. So for literally like nine months, like every time I go on a run, that's what I think about. Um, so I'm pleased it's gonna happen. I don't know what I'm gonna fantasize about on runs after it's happened. Chelsea winning the Champions League. <laughs> That's never going to happen. You can fantasize that for years to come. You got the World Cup next year, so you're good. Mm-hmm. Eh, can't happen. Abdullah, you were at both semifinals. You want to summarize that up in a few words? Uh, magical, a dream come true. Um, amazing. I mean, the, the two games were, were so much fun to watch from different different angles. That, and then to see two high quality, I mean, four high quality teams kind of and battle it out was 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 amazing, and I think we've ended up with probably two of the best teams of the entire tournament to get into a final. I think that's quite fair. I think we can all agree that the two best teams of the tournament so far have made it to the final, and we're up for an exciting match football. But let's get straight into discussing these two semi-final ties, starting with England again. Order of play. <laughs> Jesse wrote the script, so that could have easily been a bias there. And guys, can I just say that, actually, I'm going to say right here that Alex just did another podcast, which I was producing, and she was talking about England, and she said we instead of England. So uh, it, it doesn't count. There's context. One of us. One of us. No, no. I was fully in a Germany kit with a Germany flag painted on my face yesterday, so you know what? No. <laughs> I, I quickly corrected myself. Yeah, but England four, Sweden nil. I think it's fair to say that this was not what we were expecting at all from this match in particular, but also from a Euro semi-final. Goals from Beth Mead, Lucy Bronze, Alessia Russo and Fran Kirby meant England strolled into the final. And I just want to remind everyone of that ridiculous Alessia Russo go. I'm still thinking about it. Jesse, how did you feel about this game? Yeah, this was like genuinely hilarious. I feel like after the quarterfinal stress, um, I just thought this was going to be a really tight game. And I don't know, like I literally had to Alex after the last year ago. What was that, like 65 minutes? And I was just like, we're going to Wembley. Like it's done. Like the game's done. Like it's 65 minutes and we're three and all up. Like, and Alex looks so nonplussed. <laughs> I was in a Swedish kid. <laughs> but, Let's get that straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was like crazy. I think we've seen a lot of games this this Euros, which have felt like I've never seen a football game like this moment. But this is the biggest semi final win by any team in the men's or women's Euros ever, and it was against Sweden. And I know Sweden haven't been like great, but they're still ranked second in the world. They won silver at the Tokyo Olympics. I think everyone thought they would at least get to the semi final. I think lots of people thought they would beat England, um, and we smashed them. <laughs> So straightforward. <laughs> we did. I will say that I think that was one of the best atmospheres that in this uh Euros in terms of England support. I think it was just a really big unison support of England. And then, you know, after the maps, the scenes were just insane. Like Ellen might get emotional, I think was very fair. Because it was like just insane of 
bunch of emotions but I was actually I was sat at the top and I was just like a proud like mom like <laughs> looking over and I was just like Promise me she loves it. You love England. I don't love England. You just described yourself as their uh, mom. I was a proud mom of, of like women's football, not of England. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, I'm not one of you. I think we've established that quite clearly by now. Abdullah, this game might not have looked that close by the end, but in the first half, Sweden had their fair share of opportunities to take the lead. What did you make of the opening bits of this match? Ah, the opening bits of this match. I think Sweden needed to take Sweden was a better team for 15, 20 minutes. They had so many chances to score. If they had even taken one of them, I think it, we we turned into a slightly more a slightly closer game. Uh, uh, you know, by the end of it, um, you know, I I think for the first time in the entire tournament, find kind of shouting for teams to be able to exploit the space in behind Lucy Bronze and Blacksenius's runs were finally doing that. <clears throat> and within like the first two minutes, you saw you saw Stina Blacksenius really going in behind it and creating a couple of chances. Like the first big one, I think two, two, three minutes in happened right in front of me. And you know, once Sweden, I mean Mary up some good saves, but once kind of Sweden weren't able to do that anymore and, and England made the adjustments in midfield to kind of stop uh, to kind of a to, to play out and b to stop Sweden making in those runs, I think this was England's game to lose because they then suddenly started taking over the game slowly, slowly, and a couple of the selections from from Sweden just stopped working. Jesse, England were able to get Lauren Hemp a lot more involved this match than they did against Spain. <coughs> oh no, about you. Mm-hmm. Um, was that key for breaking the Sweden team down? Yeah, I think it was really interesting. It felt like it, both teams were kind of going for these long balls into the channels for players to to run run into. And I think it was noticeable how much quicker England felt like they were willing to release that ball, I guess, maybe because they weren't so worried about prioritising or trying to prioritise possession in the way that I think they wanted to do in the Spain game. Like, I think in, in the Spain game, obviously, you accept that you're not going to have you're not going to see loads of the ball, but you don't want to constantly then be giving the ball back to them by like playing these kind of like high risk long balls. And I think definitely I wrote about Lauren Hemp before, before the game and lots of people were talking about, you know, Rachel Daly and, and kind of the problems of having a right footer behind Hemp and how that was kind of limiting her. And I thought it was really telling that that kind of first goal actually comes from Rachel Daly getting forward for once. And I think there was a there was more of a willingness in this game to to kind of do that and, and push forward. But yeah, I think also Sweden obviously t- totally reshuffled their defence and that wasn't like necessarily their fault. And Alex kind of said, like, because they put Amanda Ilstedt on her and Alex was like, oh, obviously she, like, trains against Diani and stuff, so, and Baltimore. So it's not necessarily a bad person, but I did did wonder whether it was, it just felt a bit, like, overcomplicating it when maybe you could have just still put Hannah Glass there and, like, had her kind of play her, her more familiar position. We talked about also how I think a back three would have suited Sweden a lot better if they're going to play three centre-backs anyway against the back four. Might as well just shuffle into a back three. And but play Rolfo at left wing back. yeah. Put Rolfo or just do as they did with Jonah Anderson and, and Hannah Glass. And yeah, I think Rolfo would cut back, should have, could have potentially put her on the ball a bit more than she actually got onto it in the match. Um, but Abdullah, why do you think England were able to do so well against the Swedes? I think I think they were just able to uh I, I think they were able to adjust. I think I think Sweden came in with a game plan. And um, you know, for that first 15, 20 minutes, I think we really saw England uh, a little bit on the back foot. Sweden were able to make some chances. 
and kind of the, the the way England had been playing throughout the tournament was was kind of nullified to a bit. You know, they took, like I said, they took advantage ad, advantage of the space in behind um, uh, bronze. Aslani and and Blacksenius were really trying to trying to press up high and stop the centre backs from playing. I, I mean, I think it gave a bit too much respect to Williamson on the ball when when I think Aslani should have uh, should have stopped that, but. It was working. And then England's minor adjustments in midfield between Walsh and Stanway in terms of making space to the middle, get Frank Kirby on the ball a little bit more for the straight pass. I think just those minor adjustments and then getting the ball to the board again, I think that's probably where I think England England were best and were able to kind of overcome Sweden. And after that, Sweden were like, well, we kind of don't know uh, how to get back from this. I definitely think Fran playing closer to uh, Kira Walsh and George Stanway like had a massive like role it, it really felt like it was almost like Fran was doing like what you might expect the number nine to do and hold up the ball and I just thought she was really really impressive about I mean I always think of her as being really tiny and like she is like short but she's like so roguely hench and the way she was like able to kind of shield the ball I thought was really impressive and and you definitely saw her obviously as the game went on get even like as the game got stretched you could really like see like the best of Fran Kirby but I think in that first half like that element of her game isn't something we really talk about that much, but she did it really well. It was interesting to see her get on the ball as she dropped deeper and kind of carried the ball forward off passes and stuff, which was definitely more effective than her just staying high next to Ellen White. But Jesse, let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Alessio Russo and Alessio Russo's goal. How good was all of it? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I, I absolutely love the tournament she's having. And I think... You know, I think lots of people rate Alessia Russo, but I think she's, you know, still been, obviously, she spent so much of last, not the season that's just finished, the season before, injured. And then she came back and I think she was good this season, but like the level she's hit in this tournament has been ridiculous. Like she's been the epitome of, of the super sub. And I, I like that role for her. I know lots, lots of people are like, oh, maybe Alessia Russo should start. I'm team have Alessia Russo come off the bench but it's interesting it gets earlier and earlier every game I think she came on after 55 minutes in this one yeah. obviously England were like 2-0 up but um, I don't know if that's like a resting Ellen White thing but it did feel like Serena was like how early can I bring her on <laughs> because I want my super sub on but yeah this goal was ridiculous Fran in this goal is amazing as well and I think that's like a really underrated bit and obviously the actual finish is great but she should really have scored first time but I think the I feel like Sweden generally struggled with England's second phases of play and England would just felt so much hotter on the ball when it was like initially getting cleared. And I think this was kind of case in point. Like, I'm not sure Alessia Russo should be the first one to, to be reacting to that, to be able to like do that back heel. But yeah, it was like a fantastic piece of improvisational skill. And if anyone's not seen it, Art of Football have done a t-shirt, which is the Rousseau back heel as like an Ikea manual. Anyway, I've ordered one. So <laughs> I was like, I was in the car from Sheffield to Milton Keynes and I was like, immediate buy. You haven't seen it. You haven't shown it to me yet. I will not buy that because I'm not English. I don't know. Sorry. I reckon we could see Alex at one. I don't know. I don't think so. But last question on this match. Abdullah, how much of a disappointment will this result and the tournament have been for Sweden? I think I think it'll be a disappointment because I think you know they would have come in thinking again another very very good chance to to win a major tournament and 
I, although I think this time, you know, with the exception of like the first game or two, they were very much this. I, th- I think COVID definitely played a massive part in their camp, just fitness wise, players playing out of position, some of it forced, some of it by choice. And I think all of that put together, you can maybe excuse a little bit of it. But again, just another tournament where you think that, you know, a few changes here and there, maybe, you know, Gahartson really maybe giving it you know, maybe being a little bit more flexible in the way he, you know, the players that he chose, I think then suddenly you have a, a slightly better um, uh, Swedish, more coherent Swedish team. But, you know, just again, it's, once again, it's just a, a slight step backwards in, in, in the way things are, in the way things, in the same way things are going. But they still made it to another semifinal. Um, they, they were still there, there, there in bouts. But yeah, I think, I think they would have wanted to make a final. I mean, considering that I put Sweden to win it all in my bracket. I'm Should have backed dis- the mighty England. I'm very disappointed in that. But yeah, I think Sweden have a few things to kind of look back at this tournament and kind of hopefully, you can hope for the best that Sweden will come back at the World Cup a bit stronger, but it was very disappointing. But let's get to the next match. Germany to France one. So Germany knocked out France and Milton Keynes to make it their ninth Euros final. They've never lost once when they've made it this far. But most importantly, did anyone make it to the UK's biggest ASDA? We haven't yet, sadly. Abdullah, have you seen the UK's biggest ASDA? Did you go to the biggest ASDA? That's a pretty good soul about it. That that was my contribution to going there. I I, I heard about it because uh, when I, the person I came with parked there, but uh, that's the only thing I heard about the ASDA that they parked in their parking stall and they're parking. Maybe we'll go today. <gasps> Can we go to the UK's biggest Asda? Let's go on our way home. It's big. You know what? I'm a big Asda fan. <laughs> really? I am a huge Asda Okay. Sorry. That's, I would have pegged you more as a waitress kind of gal. I do love my waitress. <laughs> <laughs> they have really good cheese at waitress. <laughs> but I'm a big Asda girl. Okay, so back to football. <laughs> Two goals from Alex Bop, but it is just funny how Beth Mead has had one of her best tournaments in her entire career, and Alex Pop has just matched that consistently throughout the entire tournament. Alex Pop is just like, nah, I, I'm going to do this better. Basically, who had Alex Pop scoring two goals to equalize Beth Mead's record in their bingo card? Anyone? No? Right. Um, but Jesse, this was a good performance by Germany, although maybe not their best, but it's hard to look past how frustrating some of Corinne Dirac's decisions were last night. Yeah, I think Germany were obviously really, really good and and have been, but I think you could definitely see weaknesses from them early on. Like, I think the first half hour of this felt quite low quality. Both teams felt quite nervous. There were lots of misplaced passes. But the way Diacre dealt with this game was so frustrating. I know Corinne Diacre being annoying is old news, but obviously they kind of started, they started with the same formation they started the quarterfinal with. So... Malar at the nine, Diani on the right, Cascarino on the left. But after Germany had scored, um, she put Diani back in that kind of false nine role. I then immediately turned to Alex and said, this is so dumb. Like, I I hate this because then you don't get, like, Diani running players. And then Diani, like, immediately scored. So fuck you, Kurenciak. But then it was like Malard came off, Basha came on. And I don't know, it was just, it was a lot of shuffling. And I don't think it helped France build anything cohesive because she literally changed the attacking lineup about once every 15 minutes from kind of the 35 minute mark. Sandy Baltimore didn't even get onto the pitch. I don't have a problem with Baltimore like not getting as many minutes as maybe we expected her to do at this Euros because Cascarino and Diani have been really, really good. But I just think she's 
the perfect kind of player for if you're two one down against a team who's probably getting tired. And for her not, you know, like to be having like Clara Matteo playing right wing instead, like <laughs> make it make right wing just made no sense. Make it make sense. <laughs> it was just when you have it was. It's outstanding that you have Sandy Baltimore on the bench when you're 2-1 down and you need a goal and you've had joy on the wing against the German side the entire match and you leave Sandy Baltimore on the bench and you just put on Clara Mateo on the wing. And make, make it make sense, please. But Abdullah, Germany definitely weren't as able to get as much joy with the high turnovers as they managed against other teams. How did France deal with this German press? You know, the first 10 minutes, I think, I think was 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 pretty explosive. And I think between the, the 20th and 30th, you know, the halftime when the goals happened, I think that's when it kind of calmed down a little bit. I think both teams just were at that point. They didn't want to concede. But I, I thought I thought France, um, I thought France dealt with the German press pretty decently well because you, they, they, they pre- Germany pressed in this really odd 3-2-3-2 shape, which I, I, I could see from from where I was. And I was I was thinking, what is going on? And and you know, because usually France want to play it long, get it out to the wings, and then kind of kind of build from there. Um, what I found interesting was that between Toletti and 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 Bilbao, they they kept one of them kept dropping into space, um, picking up the ball, turning, and and I think they mixed up their press really, really. I mean, they mixed up their build up really, really well. So um, sometimes they would go long depending on on who was pressing them. Sometimes they would use Toletti as as an outlet and then play it, play it, play it for shorter. Um, and, and it kind of worked because I didn't see too many turnovers from, from Germany. France were able to get it out. And, you know, impressively enough, I think that in that, in that midfield uh, double pivot of, um, of, of Toletti and, and Bilbao worked because it was, I think, a lot of times in, in the previous games where, you know, France would use a single pivot, go long, or just use the single pivot and give it back and then, and then go long again to create the space. But this time they actually decided, okay, we're going to bring in two, let them sit a little bit deeper and then keep them, keep that midfield. So you're kind of rotating constantly, kind of bringing in, you know, Cascarino a little bit deeper uh, from, from the wide area, uh, using Karshawi a little bit more in build up. I think they, they managed to bring a little bit of variation in their usual, in their usual build up style and then go from there. But I, th- I think definitely as the, as, the, as the half from the game we're on, rather. Germany were able to get a little bit more joy in, in, in kind of winning the ball back, forcing them to go long. And then Oberdorf in that basically that sixth position in the 3-1-3-2 press that they had would just win the win that first ball and give it back to Germany. And then they would already have like three, four players in attack. It's quite obvious when Germany are trying to do that high turnover because they don't Oberdorf high presses in the number 10 position. And you're kind of confused at that point because Lena Magul and Davids just dropped back and Len Oberdorf is on the six and you're like a six shouldn't be on the six <laughs> on a on a press but we move yeah let, let's not get me started talking about Len Oberdorf <laughs> um but Jesse this whole tournament has become the Alex Pop show hasn't it yeah the best bit about this is is when they say Alexandra in the stadium you can say Iblisetta after it so that's what I've been doing I think I think maybe for, for the Alexandra. final we can get all of Wembley to do it if she scores I reckon um if you listen to box to box if you listen to box to box when Alex, Alex Pop scores, scores at Wembley if when she has been she's had an absolutely phenomenal tournament and the quality of her first goal was like amazing like how she got kind of the touch, the accuracy, the power, like from the position she was coming in and the header as well. I mean, she is obviously like physically immense, but it would have been easy to kind of say before this, like, well, France are playing Wendy Renard. So, you know, like 
does anyone kind of get the better of when you're in the air and but like Alex Pop just had the beating of, of everyone in that in that penalty area and it's not just that it's like her effort as well you know like when German players were getting caught out of position, she was the one sprinting back to like defend on the edge of her own area. And it's just like, I guess, testament to how well-rounded her game is that that she's played in bloody every single position in the world. Um, but not only that, she she brings all of that to to every game wherever she is on the pitch. And it's just funny because again, it's just funny how like tournament narratives really shift. Because I think coming into this tournament, I was like, oh, is this like going to be Leia Schuler's like real breakout moment and obviously that you know the COVID stuff happened and that kind of is is why we initially saw pop at the nine again and you just can't drop her anymore and it's just obviously an amazing story for her in her like first first euros somehow <laughs> somehow <laughs> it's still confusing me like I get it but yeah. it's still confusing it, it's so ridiculous when you think about it I think the entire match I was sat next to Jesse and every time Alex pop went up for a header against anybody but especially Wendy Renard it was just like ridiculous like somehow Alex Pop managed to out jump Wendy Renard, out body her, just something that people don't really think about. Um, like Wendy Renard is strong, but let's be honest, she's. But that's she's what shows you, like, but that's what shows you as well, right? Like how good, well, one, like how much of football isn't just, even the physical aspects of, of it aren't just like pure physicality, yeah. but then like two, like how good Alex Pop is. Like, yeah, yeah, the timing of she's the ridiculous. But but, yeah. yeah. The, the technical abilities put together with the physical abilities there is I was looking at photos this morning and and there's one photo of her just jumping and she's just she's just massive and like can you imagine like going up for a header against Alex Pop like I just think about that and I just picture myself like on the floor <laughs> eating grass right after like, like that's basically how think like, of I, the bruises I was like no 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 it actually it would be actually I think it would be worse if I tried to outbody Alex Pop I think I would just crash into her like a brick wall <laughs> and just like end up falling down she but, hasn't come up against Millie Bright yet though that's gonna be I think Alex Pop could do it. I'm sorry. Um, but it should be juicy. Uh, but Abdullah, what stood out for you from France yesterday? I like their I like the press. I, I think I think their off ball, their off ball work was a little bit more um impressive than, than their on ball work, not to say because I, I think again, besides the first maybe 20, 25 minutes where I think that I think the wide play was 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 really, really working. Um, it was only until, you know, they, they had the equalizing goal that it after that did it stop working uh, completely. But no, I, I like the way that the midfield played. I like the adjustments that they made over there. I think for me that that stood out. I think also Sandy had a, had a decent game uh, com- compared to the rest. Gioro had some really good moments, but then again nullified in midfield but i think i think overall i like, think for me um besides that off ball stuff that left side again i think in, at least in the beginning between cascarino and 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 Kershawi again they had some really good touches i mean they 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 were fighting for every ball they weren't giving it up very very easily um and it was just an interesting battle to see Yuli Brandon and Julia Gwynn come up against Cascarino and Kershawi and 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 kind of you know battle it out because it was very very i think for me that was the most exciting battle of 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 at least the first half if not if not the game and then the adjustments they made over there yeah so for me it's that off the ball stuff and then the left hand side for France was was for me that stood out but besides that I mean it's just they they just weren't able to create and it was that it was the mess of of the second half in terms of the formation and not even the formation but just kind of the where players were playing in certain positions and 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 there were just so many options to do and she just didn't make the option that made sense which was just i, I i'm still you know i'm still scratching my head about that 
it's actually I find it really interesting everyone's kind of raging about that left side of Kartawi and Bacha but I thought Kartawi had a really bad game yeah I I didn't think she was great at all um I think she she just put was putting like a lot of balls out of play like when she was getting forward yeah you know and you could see even in the first half like it it there was so many minutes when Cascarino, I think, like had barely had a touch. And again, it just felt like Kachau was really struggling to progress the the ball down. Obviously, Eula Brand was was in for Clara Ball. And I think it always felt like that was going to be quite an interesting battle because I think that, you know, they're two players who I'd, I'd still count them both as being quite naive players. But as the game went on, like, Yulebrand just got more and more confident up against Kachawi and, and was making more and more progress there. And it felt like she was a lot more committed. And I think, again, it was just really surprising that as the game was going on, Brand was getting more involved. You have Selma Basha on the pitch. We know what she can do defensively. Just take Kachawi off and, and put, put Voldemort on and play Basha at left back. Like it it didn't, it didn't really make sense. And it, and it was this weird thing where it was like, You'd think that once Basher and Kachawi were on the pitch, like that left side would of France would have been more solid, but it actually just got even worse, I think, because it felt like they were kind of getting in each other's way and Basher wasn't necessarily high enough up the pitch to be like the out ball for Kachawi. So yeah, I think that that again was just was just something where you're like, are you watching what we're watching? Like, yeah. I don't know. It was, I mentioned it, it was like, you know, one of the reasons why we talk about Selma Bacha so much after the Champions League is that she's kept so many players in her pocket. I mean, when you, when she performed that well against Caroline Graham-Hansen in the final, I mean, that was the final token of like, right, Selma Bacha is a really, really good fullback that has really good attacking attributes, but, you know, her defensive qualities are, are what have made her so good. Um, and yeah, to to kind of not play her in that defensive role when you have a player like Sandy Baltimore that can easily slot into that spot and make a big difference is just mind-blowing to me. But so, Abdullah, final question on the match. Should France be disappointed about the way this tournament has gone for them? I think besides the final half an hour of this tournament, I think I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, they were they won their games. They got to a they got to a European, you know, Euro semi-final you know, kind of without too many mistakes. I, th- I thought they were playing well. The game plan was working. I think the problem was that they just weren't tested before this. And that the minute they were tested and 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 it had to come down to Karindi Akram making the adjustments, she just didn't make the right adjustments. You know, and I think not having the opportunity to make adjustments in previous games when things worked because you don't know what adjustments are going to work, right? Um, you know, we can say the same thing about England. They had that game against Spain. They made some adjustments there. And then, you know, eventually they were able to come out with a win. Um, they did the same thing against Sweden. So they had the experience from the, from, from the, from the Spain game. So you, you could see that England, okay, we came out with some adjustments. We were able to do it. Uh, and we were trying to go, you know, we were able to go through. Germany, kind of the same thing against Austria. And then, uh, and then against uh, France last night. So I, I, th- I think for me, the biggest disappointment is that, you know, fr- I, I think both, obviously both teams could have won it yesterday. But, you know, France, a couple of just, it was like a couple of, you know, a couple of changes differently or a couple of like all the players on the pitch, you just move a couple of them around to kind of put them in better positions where they're more natural in. And, you know, you could definitely get, um, you can definitely get a, a different game. I mean, they had a couple of chances to score in the, in the last like five, six minutes. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be they'll be overall. I think they'll be disappointed not to not to make the final because um, you know definitely you know this game in itself 
could have been a final. So I, I think they'll be just wondering not going through and, and, and you know, an, another chance uh, gone begging to win a major tournament. So let's get into a final preview a little bit. England versus Germany at Wembley. <laughs> it's just, it's fun to say. This is not um, one, one of your Englishisms. Alex, Wembley. Alex says mate now instead of friends. And now she says Wembley. It's just fun to say. You just have to, you can't, I can't say Wembley. Yeah. You have to say it's, Wembley. It's got three syllables, not two. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, but Jesse. Take off your England hat. Put your analysis hat on. Where will this game be won and lost? Yeah, I think for me the most. Well, I think there are. I think there are three key. Th- I'm just gonna do this thing where I'm like everywhere. No, <laughs> I feel like there are th- three key things. I do think Alex Pop versus Millie Bright is going to be very interesting because unlike Wendy Renard, who's maybe not had the best tournament, Millie Bright has felt like she's in the kind of form of her life and it's really like she's relishing those those kind of challenges. It's like, I think she'll be looking forward to that one. Um, so I think kind of being able to deny Pop having the impact. And I think something that also will be interesting is that Millie Bright isn't a player who's afraid to go with someone. She's man-marking, which I think Renard feels like she, she doesn't necessarily like doing that as much. So I think, you know, you do see Pop kind of move out wide, drop a bit deep to try and get the ball. And it'll be interesting to see if Serena does kind of make Millie Bright go with her. Then I think there's obviously the wide players, both sets of wide players against both sets of fullbacks. I think Germany's fullbacks have held up a lot more than I thought they would. But I would still say there are concerns there. But I think, you know, I I thought Julia Gwynn and Feli Rauch both had a really good game yesterday. Your nemesis. My nemesis. Damn it. Why is it that everyone, when I make them my enemy, then thrives? Like, these people should be paid. People should pay me for, for me to make They're them my doing enemy. It just to prove you wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that'll be really interesting. And, and you know, equally, I don't know who's going to play where in, in this Germany wide scheme anymore like I don't think Clara Bull will be back so maybe it will be Svenja Hoot and Eula Brand but then I thought Eula would start at left left wing and she didn't start on the right so but I think Eula Brand whether she's playing up against Lucy Bronze or Rachel Daly I think has the ability to cause both of them problems in terms of her speed and and kind of 1v1s so I think that will be, be a worry for England and then you know finally I think how those those midfields match up I do wonder if if Germany will be a bit more cautious with kind of how how much they want to push say Oberdorf up to press or, or Magul up to press because Frank Herbie and George Samway have shown they can be really dangerous if they're given space in that area and like look Leonard Oberdorf is is ridiculous but I think you would still worry about her covering covering for both of those players as good as she is that would feel like a, a risk or regardless of what actually happens I think that's an area where both Wiegmann and MVT will, will think, do we need to make adjustments here? Is there like joy that can be got here? I think that's fair to say. I, it should be interesting to see, because Kira Walsh is one of those where if you leave her with enough space, she will thrive. But at the same time, she's not really a player that you need to be like really tight on. So I think Lena Albertoff won't be pressing that high, but then that kind of defeats the purpose of having that high turnover because then Albertoff is the kind of person that would want to get that but then I think England England easily bypassed Kira Walsh a lot of the time so it's just it should be interesting but I do want to mention before we move on about how good Svenja Huth has been playing this entire tournament 
she she takes on 1v1s you don't expect her to be able to catch up to the ball and she just kind of somehow gets all the way to the byline and you're just like right I can't explain how that happened but Svenja who I think has been I was kind of I wasn't skeptical but like I was like yeah like when you have you know Tabea Vazmuth, Yule Brand on the bench and you're starting Svenja Huth on the right wing I was like let's see how this goes but she's again she's she shut me up she proved me wrong and I think she's had an amazing tournament I think she's been big she's been able to create a lot of chances especially yeah getting down to the byline having Alex Pop in the, as a central striker just get the balls in and, and hope for the best I think what she does really well is like she's very unpredictable because she can yeah. like cut inside or she can go to the byline and I, I think you know that's something that when we talk about wingers often you kind of think one a winger is a lot better at one than the other and it yeah. can make them kind of predictable um and like make it more about the actual individual battle but yeah I think because Huth can kind of do both it makes it a lot harder for Although saying that, I did think soon to be Champions League winner at Chelsea, Eve Perissa. She did pretty well. <laughs> did pretty well against her. Eve Perissa did have a good game, to be fair. But I think, yeah, Spenya just yeah, has just had an amazing tournament. But Abdullah, do we reckon that Millie Bright can do what Wendy Renard couldn't and keep Alex Pop quiet? I mean, possibly. Uh, Millie Bright's been in the form of her life, uh, especially as a, as a box defender. I think as a... You know, I think probably the best box defender in the, in the tournament, hands down, just her, her ability to get, you know, kind of, you know, defend when, when it gets crowded in there, kind of keeping teams in front of her and, and not letting them through the amount of blocks, interceptions. I think they've been unreal. Um, I think I think the biggest thing for, for Millie Bright to worry about is uh, Alex Pop's late runs into the box. Like she, she doesn't exactly come in, um, you know, as uh, you know, before or early, she, she just makes these, she makes these really good runs. I mean, the first goal yesterday was such a good example of her, uh, how good her movement was and kind of having to deal with that. So I think, I think there will need to be some element of like, you know, persistent man marking on, on Alex Pop. But I think this is probably going to be Alex Pop's toughest, um, toughest defense to come up against and, and and especially somebody that is as physical as Alex Pop is because I mean when I saw Alex Pop and in, in, in I mean in real life like twice now she's a lot bigger and a lot stronger than I than I thought she was on TV um so Millie Bright versus Alex Pop physically and then just just from in terms of, of her movement I think Millie Bright versus Alex Pop would be a very 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 interesting battle it should be really good um Germany have scored the most header goals in the entire tournament this is your favorite stat it's i just find it intriguing. alex tells me the stat every day at this point yeah i do <laughs> that's fine i just find it intriguing because it's obviously a big strength that they have but no one's been able to kind of like how to how to stop alex pop essentially mm. like you would have thought that wendy renard would have been kind of the one to potentially slow her down but then alex pop scores outside of the football league and a header um in the same match so there's that jesse Question. It's. It, I think this is a, the more intriguing question than the actual result of the final. <laughs> I'm joking, but it is really exciting. Beth Mead or Alex Pop for the Golden Boot Race? I feel like we... I could just imagine this becoming like a really high-scoring game where like Beth Mead will score and then Alex Pop will be like, no, I need to score. And then Beth Mead will score again. You just know how fuming Beth Mead will be like because of her personality that everything like... Every record she breaks, everything she does, Alex Pop just like the literal is the pattern of the games as well that Germany have played the day after England, like all through this tournament. So it's literally 24 hours later. It like Alex Pop's like back in it. 
both of them it's you know two like incredible individual performances for both of them uh I think Beth Mead has, has more assists I think she's got something crazy like five assists as yeah. well so if neither of them score I guess it will be hers but I have enjoyed also the shouts that Alessia Russo could could sneak in you know like we're all distracted about Pop and Beth Mead and then and I would like I don't know if that's happened before but like I don't know someone who's only like not started a single game winning the golden boot would be a lot of fun a lot of winning the golden boot off the bench would be absolutely ridiculous yeah considering it is it is I support Alessia Russo I could say the same but it is the three this is her first Euros tournament the three of them the three people going for the golden boot race this is their very first Euros how's that more Euros to come for some of them than others I think potentially yeah <laughs> Alex Popper. It's just the beginning of Alex Pop's career. What are you <laughs> She's saying? She's gonna be huge. She's gonna be big. But Abdullah, both England and Germany have used their wide players to good effect. With Germany's fullbacks looking a bit more solid than England's potentially. Can Feli Rao and Julia Gwynn continue their good form against a Beth Mead, a Lauren Hemp, a Chloe Kelly? <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, no, I, I think they can. I think I think we've seen that fullbacks in the tournament have been able to some extent, Spain in particular, have kept the wide players quiet. Uh, I think the Spain game was a massive example of, uh, at least in the first half, you know, both Lauren Hemp and Beth Mead were kind of, you know, to an extent nullified by Onobachi and Olga Carmona. And, um, you know, the fact that they had to switch sides very, very early on in the game to try and see if they can get some joy was, you know, was a testament to that. So, and then I mean, Feli Rausch has surprised me uh, very nicely that, you know, she's, she's, she's held up and had a really, really good tournament so far. And Julia Gwynn, I just don't think has been talked about enough at fullback this tournament. I think she's been really, really good making, a, I mean, positionally, I think she's been fantastic, but also the fact that, you know, she's been able to kind of come inside and, and, and give them a little bit of uh, numerical superiority in in, in in infield and kind of stop things happening over there. You know, I don't think too many um, chances have come down either uh, fullback side, specifically Julia Gwynn. So, you know, I think it'll be an interesting battle, but I think yes, there's definitely a, a good chance, you know, if they go back and watch the games because, they, uh, you know, at least uh, Gwynn has the pace to to keep up and, and, and you know, the positioning. So, That'll be an interesting battle, but yeah, I, I think I think there will be there will be a, an adjustment required from England because I don't think it'll be very very easy to get past the two German fullbacks. What impressed me the most yesterday about the German defense was how well organized they were in tracking runs. It was like it's it's one of those things where you're defending a counter attack and the attackers are making just different runs and usually defenders get caught out in trying to zone a mark rather than man mark. But Germany kept following the runs really well and they were able to nullify the counterattack like really, really well. And that quite impressed me. And I think that's just down to solid defensive organization, which can obviously prove to be big against England that we've seen, you know, Spain side kind of nullify a lot of the, you talked, I think it was you, Jesse, that talked about it, how Spain were able to kind of take that kind of quick counterattack play off of England and they had to resort to plan B, which took them a little bit to get to. But one more game to go. The month is almost done. You guys ready for the big one? <laughs> Abdullah, we can start with you. Who's going home with the Euros title? Yeah, I'm excited. It's just it's it's crazy how um, you're already almost at the final, and and it's just it's it's two absolutely massive teams going up against each other. I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited to see the uh, the atmosphere over there with you know two two giant teams, two 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 rivals. Who's gonna go home with it? Oh man, that is a tough, loaded question. Um, I can see a case for either or, 
winning it. Um, it, it, it I think it comes down to, it'll come down to the finer details, but oh, I'm going to edge it to Germany. I'm just going to edge it to Germany. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring affair. Maybe a 1-0 to Germany. Alex Pop, just to round off the Euros by scoring every goal, you can't rule out an Alex Pop goal. So I'll go 1-0 Germany, Alex Pop. Jesse, you want to give it a go? After we won the Arnold Clark Cup, <laughs> I said we were going to win the Euros. And I still think we're going to win the Euros. Guys, it's coming home. It's coming home. Bethany's going to win the Golden Boot. We're going to win the Euros. I'm going to drink 10 pints in Wembley Box Park. And you're going to wake up at 10 a.m. for a podcast. And I'm going to wake up at 10 a.m. for a podcast next morning. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I am doing a podcast at 10 a.m. the day after the Euros final. You do that to yourself. But we move. I, I'm still debating whether to go in my Germany kit or not. Uh, you're going to wear your Williamson kit. I'm not going to wear my Williamson kit. That was a one, one-off thing. That's not going to happen again, at least this tournament. But we'll, yeah, we'll come back after the final. We'll see who's happy and who's not, potentially. Uh, but thank you for listening to our Euros episode. Yeah, we'll be back after the final to analyse what happens, whether Jesse needs a few days to... <laughs> sit in sadness or whether they're going to be ready right off the bat to talk about a good win we'll see how that goes down if England win we should record live from Wembley Box Park (laughs) release of episode pending (laughs) emotions Uh, yeah and Victor if Germany win it will come out a week after if England win it will come out that night (laughs) that the same night Uh, but yeah make sure you're following us on Twitter to keep up with every episode and we'll announce then um, when we'll record and and everything else and probably some stupid photos of Jesse at Wembley but yeah we'll we'll see you guys soon and thank you for listening to every episode of the Euro so far if you have it's been very entertaining for the quick turnarounds but yeah we'll see you soon bye